It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, producer Matt here with one final message about our crowdfunding campaign. Our target is £9,000 to bring you a year of programmes. We're currently at around £3,500 So that gives us until Friday, less than a week, to raise just over 5,000. Otherwise, there will be no more editions of the Media Podcast. And this is Kickstarter, which means it's all or nothing. So if you love what we're doing here, and the time and effort we put into making each half-hour programme, this is your very last chance to show it. Go to themediapodcast.com, hit pledge, and give what you can. In return, there are a whole bunch of rewards you can choose. My favourite at the moment is bird watching with John Plunkett. It's a day of twitching, it says here, with the Guardian's foremost media correspondent and amateur bird watcher. There are enough of you out there that we could do this if we all gave a tenner. That's themediapodcast.com. Hit pledge and get us to nine grand. The Media Podcast is a PPM production and not affiliated with The Guardian in any way. And now... The show. Hello, I'm Ollie Mann. This week, changes to the team sheet at Five Live as high-profile names make way for the return of some familiar voices. Women's Hour gives up on Salford and doing it for the kids as independent producers call on the government to give children's TV a break. All that and more on this week's packed media podcast from themediapodcast.com. Well, a warm welcome to our many listeners, not just in this country, but around the world. Uh, with me are two talented, erudite, masterful players of the media game. Do you get what we're doing in just a minute? Do you get it? To my right is Steve Ackerman, managing director of production company Something Else. And sitting on my left, it's James Robinson, former media editor at The Observer, now a consultant at Powers Court PR. Uh, welcome, gents. Tell us something about your week without hesitation, repetition or deviation. Your 60 seconds start now. I uh, managed to record a, a, a new low in a pub quiz. Well, it's a, it wasn't a pub quiz. It was a, qu- a quiz at the FT's Alphaville uh, annual conference, which I know sounds shockingly <laughs> uninteresting and boring. Uh, it, but it was uh, we got minus 30, our team finished last. Wow. Which was quite impressive, a negative score, I Minus think. 30. Yeah, we didn't get a single question right. Were you it was trying to fail, or were you actually... I, I, I was quite inebriated. Um, I was fairly hammered. That didn't help. It's a pub quiz. Uh, that's not an excuse. Uh, well, yes, in- indeed. No, it was <laughs> shameful. That's, that's, a, that's the low light of my week. Uh, and Steve, can, can you top that? I'm guessing you can. No, well, I don't think I can, actually. Getting minus 30 in a pub quiz, that <laughs> definitely... I mean, that's, that's sensational. That's, that's, that's to be respected. No, I mean, my, my week, I suppose... Uh, well, uh, today enjoyed seeing an early screening of a, of a 
if you're into Northern Soul, which so many people suddenly reveal that they are, oh, yeah. we, we've made a great doc about it for BBC Four, which is definitely worth catching. It's on, uh, I'm not quite sure when the TX date is, but very soon, some point over the summer. So that was just fantastic to watch at lunchtime today. But surely in the spirit of Northern Soul, you should uh, not watch it now and then rediscover it in 40 years' time. Uh, indeed, <laughs> or, or go over to America and find a little cassette in a box. And, yeah, exactly. uh, right, well, that's more than enough of that. We're going to start this week's proper media stories at Five Live, the news and sports speech station, where some familiar names are being shuffled in the schedule. Uh, Sheila Fogarty, Victoria Derbyshire and Richard Bacon all gone. Uh, the winners include Tony Livesey and Football Focus host Dan Walker, uh, both familiar voices on the network but now getting permanent weekday shows. Adrian Childs is going to present a new morning programme called Five Live Daily between 10 and 1 on Mondays and Tuesdays and then uh, Peter Allen uh, the veteran Peter Allen, I think we call him, uh, will take that slot for the rest of the week. That's a lot of changes, isn't it, Steve? What's going on here, do you think, behind the scenes? Well, there's a few things playing out here. First of all, you've got some contracts expiring. You've got, obviously, Five Live having moved to Salford and being true to its word to say that actually you know, presenters have to be based there because clearly... Uh, reason for the move was that culturally the BBC would then have something coming from somewhere else and would hopefully start to reflect the region a bit more. Uh, you also obviously have uh, DQF delivering quality first, and and these are you know, you know there are cuts that every network has to make, and uh, of course extending programmes from two to three hours or reducing mm. the amount of programmes and presenters you've got on the network means you do save costs as well as the fact that if you've had presenters there for a while who through a period of time probably have had some pay rises over that time again you've got a cost saving. There, there as well. So I think I think those are two of the key drivers behind what we're seeing. And will there be any drop though in the amount of news that Five Live is able to cover as a result? Uh, the reason I ask that is I think about my my alma mater Saturday edition uh, has also been axed as part of these changes. Although Chris Warburton's getting weekend breakfast, so well done him. But that show was all about covering things they didn't cover the rest of the week. So online news I used to do, but they had books, they had travel, they had gaming. Um, stuff that Five Live didn't do elsewhere in the schedule, and I wonder if they're actually sacrificing some of the specialist areas as well. Well, if you remember, the BBC Trust um, really pulled Five Live up a little bit for uh, and said there needs to be a bit more news content than there is. Talk Sport had made a bit of a fuss about the fact that um, uh, Five Live was starting to go down a bit of an entertainment route, and, and obviously if you look at um, something like Richard Bacon's show, then even though... It definitely, when it needed to, touched on some very serious and difficult issues. Obviously, Richard's skill was also that he could turn to the lighter side and actually made a play of that. He had a real energy and zest about him. So actually, I don't think it's, it's going to be less news. There's going to be uh, an increase in news. And I think, I think what you see on the schedule is a more serious-looking schedule. Now, you can argue, is that good for Five Live or is that kind of the reason people tune into Five Live? You know, do they like the fact that currently on Five Live there is a sort of a lighter side and that some of that news is presented in a bit more informal way? That's maybe a debate for another time. But um, you will see, I think, Five Live um, becoming much more news-centred. Well, that's the thing, James, isn't it? When Richard Bacon's interviewing Tony Blair, that is news and it rates. When he's interviewing Bruce Forsyth, maybe that's not news, but it rates. If you haven't got him doing that, if you've got them talking about a melange of sort of stories locally and internationally, is that going to appeal the same sort of listeners? Um, well, I, don't, I actually don't think the content is going to change that much because of new presenters. I think what, what the, more, the, if the more interesting thing about it is the fact that it's now becoming bloke FM more more so now than ever. And I think if you lose women of that, you know, women presenters, female presenters of that caliber for whatever reason, cost cutting or you know they've got a better, better offer from elsewhere, uh, you really got to ask yourself, you know, where the stage is heading and whether it's going to alienate 
you know what female i don't know what how many female listeners it has but the, which the female listeners it does have um and i you know you mentioned talk sport and kicking up a fuss about the straying onto their territory i think if you're someone like lbc you'd be even more annoyed that you're, you're really seeing the creation of a of a of a radio station that funded by license fee money that already exists in the private sector i mean it, it's you know it's it's sort of gone for that they deny it but it is that white van white van man market isn't it and i think that's that's an interesting i'm, I'm surprised yeah i'm just surprised that well, the time they're meant to have more female voices on air that they're, they're not replacing these people well, these departed talent with new, with new women no i think i think you're definitely right on that front and clearly that's been a a major point that's coming the headlines out of mm, the announcement mm. of, of the schedule and obviously it is at a time as well when when the BBC has very publicly said it wants to increase the amount of mm. women on air there is uh, it wasn't very well publicised but alongside Dan Walker it's actually a double headed show so, so there yeah, is a right. female yeah. co-host there right. as well who's uh, I think a lady who's come from ba- uh, uh, local radio and maybe BBC um, Northern Ireland right Yeah. so she's you know she, obviously there wasn't much pick up because, because she isn't a well known name yet and actually in mm. the past Maybe one thing Five Live has always specialised in is is bringing onto the network people you haven't really heard of and really developing uh, really developing them as very strong national broadcasters, which was definitely true of Victoria Derbyshire and Sheila yeah. Fogarty. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see that happen again. But I, yeah. you know, I, th- I think you're definitely right. That is a that is a that is a big perception problem for Five Live. Yeah, and and and, and you know, you, I'm sure you're right about the new talent and the the, the, the track record they've got of developing talent. But you know, equally we've got Adrian Charles, you know, who's <laughs> sort of. To say he's well established is understating. It was one of the first voices on Five Live. Yes, in fact, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Um, and you know he's sort of. It's funny, isn't it? It's it's the man the BBC turn to whenever they want someone who they feel can reach the parts of the audience others don't. But actually, I mean, sort of a. I mean, he's quite a middle class bloke from from Quinton, actually. But anyway. But he's, but he's been tainted a bit by Daybreak, I think. And actually, people are sort of unfairly forget that he did do working lunch and Five Live and stuff before, which he was very well regarded for, wasn't it? It would be a bit unfair yeah. for him to be completely annexed from any career now just because Daybreak no, no, didn't it's work. It's good to see you. No, no, I'm glad. To, I'm really pleased for him, and I think he's a great. He's a he's a fan, got a fantastic personality. A great. He's just a great voice on radio. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm not um, dissing Adrian Charles, you know, but I just think um, I just think that you do have to ask questions about the balance, the, the gender balance. And what do you think will be next? for the presenters that have gone. I mean, those yeah, are all quite big names, aren't they? Sheila Fogarty, yeah. I note, is covering LBC at the moment. Well, Victoria Derbyshire is a massive loss, and she's extremely talented. And, and um, I, I think I've read in, the, read in the, the, the speculation thus far that it, she's definitely not going to Newsnight, uh, which would have been my guess, actually, that um, that, that would have been an obvious place for her to turn up. But, um, you know, and Richard, ba- Richard Bacon, obviously, is now, I guess he's going to become a TV star, isn't he? That's that's the way he's going to go, um, having established himself on radio. Um but you know, I, th- I think Victoria. I mean, you wonder what Victoria Derbyshire could. She can turn her hand to anything. She's she's got. She's going to BBC News, isn't she? I think. Um, but she's not going to be a newsreader, is she? Clearly, so it'll be fascinating. I'll be interested. I, 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 up. Yeah, I, I think I would. I'd be surprised if uh, something didn't occur for her on Radio Four because you just mm. think that's a perfect place for her. But I think you're right. I mean, the LBC angle is fascinating. Mm. You know, LBC the past eighteen months has, I think, really emerged as a as a fascinating story and quite a powerhouse. And and if I was LBC, I wonder if they'd be looking at one or two yeah. of these names and thinking, actually, these could be really good for us. And whilst we're on the topic of radio at the BBC, we learned this week as well that Woman's Hour is to leave Salford and return to London. Uh, currently, three editions a week are produced from Salford Keys, but from next April, the show's going to come entirely from BH. Now, that is part of the wider Delivering Quality First plan, uh, which is really about cutting 40 jobs from the radio division. But it does seem to contradict recent efforts, doesn't it, to move production away 
from the capital. So, Steve, this is a bit of a mess, isn't it? Conflicting signals here. You know, let's let's regionalise and then let's bring Women's Hour back. What was it doing no, there in the first place? Oh, come on, it's not a mess. This is this is you know this is a classic story for me of where newspapers want to just clobber the BBC for being the BBC because of course you know. Leave aside the fact that half the show was produced up in Salford. The sensible thing is, of course, the show should be produced from one place. And to be honest, there's plenty of stuff coming from Salford now. If you've ever been up there, you can see it really is established as a as a broadcast centre. And most importantly, recruitment is now happening from within the northwest rather than obviously what, what had to happen when they started, where lots of people transferred from London. So you know what? If one show for three days of its week now comes from London, I don't see that as a big deal at all. But what, what I was going to say, sorry, but surely the problem is that producing a show from two locations is, must be a nightmare logistically yeah, and, and, and expensive. So, exactly. so you're right. I mean, it doesn't make sense to produce a show in two places. Well, it doesn't make sense, but that is what the BBC then? does, isn't what, it? What, the BBC what? does it yeah. across TV. Loads of shows are made from two places, mm. one in Scotland, one in London. It doesn't make any sense, but, but they do it politically. I mean, that the is logic, what they do. If the logic is to, is to try and save costs by doing it in one place, then why wouldn't you do it in Salford rather than London? Mm. That's, what, that's what's... That, so I also disagree to an extent. You know, if you're going to do it in one place, do it in the place where you've just spent, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds establishing. Uh, you know, it does seem. Odd. I mean, the wider thing is, this is just tinkering around the edges anyway. Mm. You want to make savings. Radio is not the place <laughs> you're going to find loads of savings because anybody who works in radio knows how cost-effective it is and and you know how. Uh, how much you can create on pretty small resources. You really want to save significant amounts of money, you have to look at the TV pie. Uh, I mean, Steve, you make a lot of radio content for the BBC. What difference does the presenter's location actually make to the to the show, and, and more importantly, I guess, to the listener? I think it depends on the programme, actually, because really I think it depends on the, on the outlook the presenter can bring. So... Um, so the, what we were discussing earlier, if a presenter is actually living in a location, mm. that I think is the important thing because you think of the of what they're absorbing around them in their everyday mm. life. That's obviously going to reflect on it. If they are commuting up to a location day after day, well, really, that's smoke, smoke and mirrors. Um, you know, should the BBC be producing programmes from outside London? Personally, I think, of course, it should mm. because um, the BBC is is obviously publicly funded and there's no doubt about it if you have everyone based in one place you create a media bubble and there's only a, a, a certain spread of views that you can easily share and reflect whereas if you're broadcasting from a different place you are going to absorb different influences and cultures and you're going to hear different voices so so i think it does make a difference actually yeah but the but the thing is you could argue the bbc has always done that and of course the the places that suffer when by by having manchester as the, the not london you know quote unquote is that place like Glasgow, Birmingham, Nottingham, which did have small, smaller but still significant centres. You know, it is a good thing, but it's just, you know, it's a, it's a lot of money to big up Manchester at the expense of other regional centres. And then you get back to the argument as well about why Five Live, because that station always sounded like the whole yeah. country anyway, with presenters from all over the country, people calling in from over the country. It's Radio 4 that sounds like it's from London, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You put Radio 4 up there and then you get a real difference. But, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I, I think, I think it, it, that the, the actual number of people watching BBC shows in the North West has risen slightly. Um, according to BBC Insiders, since that move, which is which was remarkable, isn't mm. it? That that it, it is actually having an effect on audiences, apparently, um, because you know they the TV programmes are produced uh, down the road. You know, so it, it, it does make a difference. Well, we're very proud of uh, our location, coming right from the heart of Soho. You're listening to the Media Podcast with me, Ollie Mann. <laughs> Thank you.
Right, a quick swing around some of the other mid-media stories of the week. That's uh, a reference to what we're about to talk about. Alan's going to be up with the partridge as a second run of mid-morning matters has been ordered by Sky Atlantic. I actually didn't see this one coming because it's quite a small production, this, isn't it? And you'd think once they got the partridge movie off the ground, they wouldn't still be keen on doing this kind of thing. You excited, Steve, about more partridge on telly? Well, the film was was excellent. Um, I mean, I didn't see the the series, uh, the first series, uh, though I did sort of track it because I was really fascinated about the fact that, if you remember, Fosters actually mm. funded that, yeah. um, which um, which was very fascinating and was something they'd done previously. I think with the Fast Show, where they brought back some, you know, they sort of recreated new episodes or created new episodes of the Fast Show. So I think that's interesting. Obviously, what's interesting here is Fosters have now dropped out and it's carrying on. But I suppose. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's also... um, Shows, uh, you know, I love from Henry Normal and Steve Coogan for the characters, but also those guys are great at exploiting what they have. And you've got mm. to think, well, there's the box set to come afterwards. And there's the, you know, maybe they're looking at movie two and they think, well, you know, what they need is just a little series that's going to maintain the sort of interest in the character. You know, those guys are very, very smart guys. So I don't think this is happening just because they think they can get a quick commission away. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, I think it's called in city parlance, sweating, sweating your assets, isn't it? <laughs> well, um, also, they kind of get to research the character in a way and get paid for it, don't they? They're, they're the almost trip. writing the movie whilst they're oh, making right. so the, I was thinking yeah. yeah no absolutely yeah no absolutely um I'm a bit I don't know if it's you're allowed to say this but I'm slightly partridged out to be honest I'm slightly, that, is, that is sacrilegious yeah I know it is sacrilegious isn't it but um the film's huge success as you say I'm sure there's going to be a sequel um just what, what it's quite interesting that there hasn't been more examples of of, of programs that either started you know advertiser funded that have moved to mainstream TV though that actually hasn't happened as much as you'd think or you, you know online programs equally that have gone on to mainstream TV well you're right but do people even consider Sky Atlantic mainstream TV realistically mm. I and mean, this is the thing this is about Sky's deep pockets isn't it and I mean Steve you've made shows for Sky for Sky Arts Ronnie Wood show uh, do you think their strategy works of, of pouring money into British productions in a way that actually they're the kind of things even the BBC aren't funding well, don't forget, I think for Sky, you know, a lot of money has gone into trying to create exclusive and original content that will appeal to, sorry for the advertising parlance, ABC ones. Yeah. Um, uh, because, obviously, the two things they could always rely on were the football and movies. And the movie dominance is over now. Plenty of places you can get movies from. And football, obviously, with the deep pockets of BT, is, is very much under threat. 
uh, though, you know, don't rule Sky out. I mean, they're a phenomenal organisation. So what they've done is, uh, through Sky Atlantic and through Sky Arts, they've turned to trying to create content that is bespoke and original and will appeal to what's the last bastion of people who haven't yet signed up for 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 dishes. Yeah, that's why Malvin Bragg going over there, you know, after his show with the South Bank was acts was so great for them, wasn't it? That's right. Um, mm. And you know, reducing that reliance on sport and football in particular is imp- is 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 obviously is obviously vital. And uh, I mean, historically, of course, the way that they've done that, the way they've um, Sky have tried to widen their audiences by buying stuff in, you know, especially American imports is one you know, Game of Thrones being a, a case in point. But to, so it's brilliant that they're actually spending money on the domestic, you know, UK content. It's great for the it's great for the industry. It's great for the country. It's good for their PR as well, isn't it? I mean, it's the kind of audience that wouldn't be particularly pro buying one of Murdoch's cable channels. It's Murdoch the kind haters. of audience. That, yeah, the yeah, kind of audience haters. who say, "Well, yes, I do like Mad Men." It's Guardian readers, you know. Yeah. Um, and and to attract them is quite a key, isn't it, for mm. for Sky? Yeah. Although I was thinking about the online point you were making and stuff transferring to TV. Something like Mid Morning Matters, it still looks a bit like an online thing. I wonder if really what you mean is what we don't see is many of those low budget looking. It's only because it's partridge people will watch that on telly. Yeah. I mean, actually, the shift now is for online content like House of Cards to look like glossy TV. People don't want to watch lo-fi video blog type content. But also, I think that's a slight red herring, especially when it comes to brands, because I don't think there's many brands. You know, these days, the point about online, obviously, especially with the broadband capability and the amounts of money being spent there are that brands don't need to transfer stuff to TV. They can create their own content. They don't need to worry about TV stations and commissioners who will be a bit of a gatekeeper and a block to what they want to do creatively. And when you look at what many brands are now doing, I mean, look at the current World Cup and the big Nike film, or look at, obviously, what Red Bull do. You know, there's many, many examples uh, you can cite of fantastic online content that's designed for online and i think that's hmm. that's really the point tv is is kind of behind the curve a little bit in attracting brands and allowing brands to have the freedom to to create programming and moving on to uh, another type of tv now let's see what's through the round window hey yes children's tv has a new cheerleader steve would you care to share with us who is calling on the government to give kids tv production a break I don't know. Is it Floella Benjamin? It is Floella yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. We're not even in the quiz section of the show. Baroness Floella Benjamin, as she is now, yes, uh, is leading calls for a tax credit to boost the homegrown kids' TV industry. Uh, the independent producer's trade body, Pact, is claiming a tax break for live-action children's production. Could be worth £3 million a year to the government. Pact says that tax breaks could encourage the likes of Disney and Viacom, who own Nickelodeon, to produce more kids' TV here. James, is the children's production sector in a bad state here as it is? Well, I was about to say I th- it's in a good it's in a good place, isn't it? I mean, there's been a, it's been a booming the children's TV, as, um, you know, with two dedicated channels on the BBC. Obviously, um, I mean, there are tax breaks for you know Steve will know better than me for uh, you know almost every type of TV program already, isn't there? TV, film, I and mean, games, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but you know, why shouldn't children's TV benefit from the same tax breaks that are available elsewhere? Although you know tax breaks are not sort of <laughs> you've got to be careful with tax breaks you can you can end up um, in a terribly long and you know difficult dispute with the inland revenue in five years down the line we're seeing that with film one film yeah. schemes now i think the timing is quite in- interesting because there's a clear agenda from government to encourage the creative industries mm. and actually when you look at people like pact there's trade missions i, I think we're about to do the second or third one out to china selling programs. Um, there's just been a big um, uh, trade mission for the creative industries out to China. And so I think maybe this is politics wheels in motion in terms of this This is a good time to be going to government and saying, give us a helping hand, because I think government has 
recognised uh, what the creative industries are now providing to the economy, and that and that uh, if you're not going to rely on banking as much, you've got to find a few other things that are going to going to really contribute and be very unique to this country. Yeah. And I think that's something creatively we are very strong in the world. Yeah, the service sector is bombed, and 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 we don't we know what you know we sort of deindustrialized to a large extent, and that the creative industries are a huge driver for London, the South East, and the rest of the country for going forward. So they're right to con- they're right to to concentrate on that i imagine particularly with kids tv as well we're very good at coming up with the ideas and we've got this rich heritage going all the way back to paddington when the willows in blighton and everything else but actually if you're making kids tv you need the merchandise sorted out you need mm. the international rights i guess this is just saying well if the money's going to come from america at least make it here where the idea came from even if it's not our money going into it yeah i'm i'm, I'm sort of intrigued behind some you know some of the thinking here um i mean as james said there's there is quite a lot of strong kids content coming out of the UK but I suppose maybe they are looking at things like the film mm. sector that hasn't has attracted a lot of investment and, and maybe the thinking is you know this could be the next area okay moving on to music now and it's uh, rest in peace Blackberry's music and video store I knew I know we knew you so well do you think James this is uh, growing evidence of the shift from download to streaming really yeah, P- people aren't buying music because they're streaming it yeah I think that's true I mean so you know obviously we all owned our music physically in the form of vinyl or CDs once and then we owned it digitally in the form of you know on iTunes or whatever else and and th- that I mean you just you, you just well, Blackberry were never you know they weren't you know, that wasn't their key strength you know media the media offer on Blackberry music and TV and, and the rest wasn't its key strength but but it is you know why do you need it you just you, you subscribe to Spotify or, or so and, and similar platform and, and listen to the music like you would listen to the radio. So I think I think that's what it's about, really. Um, Blackberry have got their own problems, but I think they are relaunching a music service in about a month's time, um, which I imagine will have a st- will, will focus on streaming rather than downloads. Mm. Well, I think there's sort of two things at play here. I mean, I mean first of all, Blackberry as a brand is just dead. You know, mm. dead, dead and buried. And well, I don't know though because, yeah, because every gone, business no. person's got one. No, but they. Every, but every you know what? But, got a Blackberry. but I'm not sure even that's so true at the moment. No. I mean. You know, would I bet on BlackBerry being around in 18 months? I'm not sure I would. Um, that's the first thing. You know, the second thing is, are are we all streaming? Actually, I don't think we are yet. Mm. Uh, but clearly, the you know, the big players in the market identify that we will be. Um, and so, you know, there is obviously a big battle going on in that space in terms of new services launching all the... All, all the time and, and there are going to be some casualties along the way and of course as we discussed briefly last week there's this new change now in the UK top 40 as well where uh, streaming is going to count towards the music charts Steve when you're programming a music show uh, or at least one where you have the freedom to create your own playlist rather than obeying whatever the BBC have laid down do you look at streaming data as well because it's a major tool for discovery now isn't it is how people find new music well, not just streaming data. Don't forget, things like YouTube mm. are, are, you know, you, YouTube is the number one discovery site for, uh, I think, 15 to 24s in terms of music. I think I'm, I'm, right, I'm right in saying that. And if not the number one, definitely right up there. Now, you wouldn't consider YouTube a streaming, you know, it's not a streaming service in any way at all. But it is somewhere people go to find out things. So it's not necessarily about looking at, um, you know, who's listening to what streams. But it is about thinking about data and what part that can play in editorial. Okay, it is ten past six on the hottest evening of the year. We are schwitzing in here. There is a pool of sweat all around, so you'll be pleased to know, guests and audience alike, that we are on to the final segment of the show. But the star of the show, we saved the best for last. It is the media podcast quiz, uh, which for for, for completely uh, incomprehensible reasons, we change format of every single week. Uh, this this week, uh, I'm going to give you three questions with all the right words 
just not necessarily in the right order. And producer Pete thinks this is an amusing nod to the reshuffle at Five Live. So here goes. Uh, can you unjumble the jargon to give me an answer? Which story am I talking about? The winner gets a cream egg. The loser does the dishes. Here we go. Question number one. Character which is shape-shifting reanimated to be? More. Very good. Uh, so the question was, unscrambled for you listeners at home, which shape-shifting character is to be reanimated? The answer is Morph, who might be pushing 30 but not showing his age. His creator, Peter Lord, launched a crowdfunding campaign. I've heard of those. One, it's one of my favourite podcasts has got one of those. Uh, which last year raised a staggering £110,000, enough for Ardman to produce 15 new episodes, which will be published on the web. And maybe you might make wow. it onto Sky Atlantic. You never know. <laughs> then we'll have a second example. It's inevitable, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, question number two. Uh, Steve, this is really where you have to step up to the mark here, otherwise you're going to lose. I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay. Turning new lads over is a leaf mag, which... Oh, uh, James. Is that how I buzz? James. You did, you did, yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, Steve I said, gonna, oh. I'm going to hand it to Steve just to make it an exciting end climax to the competition. Oh, oh, I like your thinking. Th this is loaded. It is loaded. is loaded. The question is, which lads mag is turning over a new leaf? The answer is loaded. Steve, why? They're, am I right in saying they're not putting ladies on the front cover? Or <laughs> new ladies. Ladies. No <laughs> yeah. Is that? Or, or, I mean, there's no. They're not. I don't know. There's something about they're not. They're not having women on the no front more, cover. No well, more topless women. And, until the next relaunch, that is the case. Which it's, just seems. I mean, isn't that what loaded's about? I mean, I'm not trying to defend well, it, but I'm just saying, isn't that what it the is now? Is? But it used to be quite good writing, didn't it? And uh, sort of gonzo journalism. But it's you know. It's, yeah, but come on. It's no one was now. buying loaded because of the good writing. <laughs> I just. I absolutely disagree. <laughs> I, well, that, yeah, half and half. Um, but uh, what's weird is if you're relaunching the magazine and say we're moving away from our image either of sort of laddishness or, uh, you know, girls with their boobs out, mm. a bit weird to put Oasis on the front cover, isn't it? I mean, it, it does seem to reek of classic loaded in a yeah, slightly unflattering yeah. way. It was a Britpop nostalgia issue, but still a slightly I think odd I, choice. I think I did read, I think I'm right in saying that Stuff magazine has done the same thing, hasn't it? And noticed that their sales went up, which I'm so know, glad to quite hear that. right too. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's you can get it all on, you know, if you want to see naked women you just well no i mean so really what, what no one did no buy stuff magazine for the naked women that was about i've, I've asked about this because i write about gadgets as well why is there a naked woman on the front of stuff when it's just full of htc ones and iphone 5s's and you'd think that the gadget buying public would rather see an xperia on the front than some tits the answer is um it's about where it gets listed in wh smith what the part of them it gets the, displayed the in men's itself. interest yeah. if yeah, it has a woman on the front yeah. and that's the reason it's just sales data so i'm pleased that sales have gone up if that's true because yeah it was always nonsense wasn't it and embarrassing to read on the tube uh, right <laughs> and finally uh, ran over uh, question three are we in a tie break situation yes are, you no, passed yeah. that one to Thanks steve to my generosity. Thanks yeah. to sportsmanship. Yeah. okay uh taking is tv channel asked to circus which see the that is really hard taking is tv channel asked to circus which cedar? Right, you've completely yeah. It's it's, hard, it's a hard one. Thought. Okay, I mean, yeah. I'll translate the question for you. Still yeah, probably won't, won't get it. We won't get it. Yeah. yeah. Which TV channel is taking us to see the circus? The circus. The circus. Is this about Rome or ancient Rome? Keep or keep is keep there, playing Malik's Malik with this. A new um, who has a famous circus? Is it a circus of pensionable men? Oh, with parrots. Python. There we wow. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We oh, right. So which TV channel? Are we but I don't know the answer. Oh, I do. Oh, it's, 
you is it UK Gold? Yes. Yes. You've, you've they're sho- they're, raised they're show, it back. They're showing, they're showing one of the Monty Python shows. Correct. Oh. Gold is to broadcast the last Monty Python stage show live from the O2 on Sunday, the 20th of July. I think I'm doing my hair that evening. Uh, uh, mixed reviews of the stage show, though. Some people are saying it is good. Uh, does it just come down to whether you're a Python fan? I just I never found them that funny. Apart from the films, films are good. Steve, would I you think, go and see it? Uh, well, I, I won't go and see it. And but ultimately, I think it does boil down to if you're a Python yeah. fan and. I think the reviews are kind of irrelevant. It's one of those events that if you're a fan, you want to be at. Yeah, and it depends on that. It all depends on what the sketches they do, because really, only people only know three sketches, don't they? Three or four. The rest of them have been completely obscure, and, and uh, you know, they, 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 I'll be interested to see which ones they do and how they make it last, you know, an hour and a half, actually. Well, and how the atmosphere sustains, because it's a stadium. I mean, well, it's an arena. It's an arena. Yeah. Why would you go and watch comedy in an arena? But well, everyone does it before, now, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ollie, you're about 10 years behind the curve here. I know, but it, Newman and I've never understood why, you know, people are queuing around the block to watch Miranda Hart and, and Michael McIntyre in an arena. Rather or than, indeed anywhere. Yeah. Well, 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 well that's a separate issue. It's a little bit harsh, yeah. Uh, right, that is the end of this week's quiz. Uh, you each... Uh, win with one and a half points each enjoy your midsummer cream egg it's over there in a horrible melty puddle with our sweat Uh, my thanks to James Robinson Steve Ackerman and to you for listening if you haven't pledged already this is your last chance to back our Kickstarter campaign by the time you listen to next week's pod the campaign will be over and that could be the last episode and in fact I'm going on my holidays uh, this week I won't be here next week so this is my only chance to say on behalf of me I've really enjoyed being here please please do pledge to the campaign full details are at themediapodcast.com if you have pledged already then ignore all that thanks very much but take to Twitter and help spread the word we live at the media podcast the last of our six free shows will be presented by Miranda Sawyer uh, the media podcast is a PPM production I've been Ollie Mann the producer was Peter Price even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.